0: gift gears tonight. We're going to look at another video here in a minute. We've actually got a a compilation of about, I think there's four of them, but there's less than five minutes total material. Uh, And tonight we're going to be answering the question, and we probably won't finish tonight. We'll probably have to do it uh, next Wednesday night, or not next Wednesday we're out of church, but the Wednesday after that. Um, The question we're answering is, are people superior to animals? Now, look, I, uh, some of this is laughable, but this is culture. This is culture we live in, okay? And so uh, you don't have to look very far to pick a fight with somebody on this subject. Uh, you could probably go to my mama's house and pick a fight with her. Uh, uh, so anyway, we're going to look at that. The, the questions I suppose that we would ask if we're talking about what is the motivation for looking into this particular subject. It is, how are we to view the animal kingdom or animal life or nature in and of itself? Should we be consumed with worry over the state of stray dogs and stray cats and homeless hamsters? Should we all become vegan and leave off all consumption of meat as it is cruel and unusual treatment for the animals. Uh, is the chicken life as important as the human life? And look, I asked that, I'm, I'm doing this because not long ago, PETA put out a video uh, and it was called The Holocaust on Your Plate. So they were comparing that to the Jewish Holocaust. And then obviously they met bigger critics than the church. Uh, but at any rate, um, is there an order to such things that we can see in the Scriptures? What would cause someone to value animals over or at least equal with humans? That may be another question. Uh, some of these are kind of See, and I did it on purpose. Do all dogs go to heaven? That's what the movie says. Do any dogs or cats, or hamsters, or goldfish, or guinea pigs. I have buried some of every one of them in my life. Do any of them go to heaven? Do animals go to heaven? What is the difference between animals and humans? Why does any of this matter? And when we go from the animal kingdom, we go to nature itself, what of the climate? Is nature more important than men Is climate more important than mankind? Are you less valuable than a tree? In the video we watch in just a moment, you're going to hear this individual, I'm relatively confident it's in one of these videos, say, do you know if all mankind went extinct, the planet would improve? But if animals if the honeybee went extinct and he goes through these various lists of animals that would so upset the ecosystem that we would all be in trouble and look we understand there's a there's a, a lot of truth in that right but it's upside down and you you don't have to watch tv very long before you'll see one of the the puppy commercials. That's right. And there are probably millions of people giving funds to that organization, and I could assure you, and I can't prove it, and I'm not going to even go through the trouble to do the research to seek to approve it, but I would be willing to wager that the money is not going towards dogs and cats. That's right. It's probably going towards programs that you would violently be offended by but it's funding those programs because the dog and the cat will bring money. So the deeper issue at the heart of these questions and at the heart of the animal rights movement and at the heart of the militant vegan movements, listen, a lot of people are vegan, a lot of people are vegetarians, a lot of people are pescatarians. That's fine. It's not that. It's, that. it's not the idea that this is what I've chosen for myself. It's that the idea that this is what I've chosen, and you have to do it too. It's that, that militant arm of anything that comes along. At the heart of that movement, the climate change movement as well, is a lessening of the value of mankind and an exaltation of nature. It's really right along the lines of Romans chapter 1, changing the, the, creature, the creator into a creature and worshiping the creature rather than the creator. It also strikes at the very heart of Imago Dei, which is the image of God. And that's how you and I are created, by the way. That's a spoiler alert. It strikes at the heart of that, that we are literally created in the image of God. If if an argument can prove that human life is less valuable than other life forms, it can begin to, and it has, just chip away and erode other biblical truths that the society should really be built upon. It's absolutely an attack on the sanctity of life. Have you ever considered the jail sentence for animal cruelty and compared it with the jail sentence for assault and battery? I looked today just at a cursory search. And the penalty for serious animal cruelty can be up to five years per infraction. So that's five years per, if there's five animals, it's five each. Uh, The average sentence for manslaughter is seven and a half years. So feasibly speaking, you could kill somebody and spend less time in jail than if you were to kill two or three dogs. Yeah. And and look, I people, you ought not you shouldn't mistreat animals. No. That's a common sense thing. Right, but what I'm saying is the system is upside down. For assault, if it's your first offense, you get out, you can get out with as little as 6 months and a $1,000 fine. Several years ago, and some of this is just as just, you talk, but, and I know you all remember it, and I know you have other reasons for disliking the man. I'm not talking about the man. I'm talking about the difference in penalties for crimes. But do you remember when Michael Vick was convicted of the dogfighting thing? Yes. They went after him so vigorously that he lost... Over 19 million dollars worth of endorsements. He lost a 20 something million dollar football contract. He lost a career. He went to prison, hard prison. And then when he came out, he had to make that worldwide apology tour and, and, and he had to beg and grovel and plead just to get an opportunity to earn a living again. And I'm not defending dog fighting. This is what I'm asking you. If you're PETA and you wanna stop dog fighting, and you bust a guy that is earning annually in excess of $40 million a year. Do you want to fire that guy from all of his jobs, take all of his financial ability away and put him in jail? Or would you like to make him the national role model for PETA and take half of that $40 million for your organization if you really cared about animals? See, the underlying issue wasn't the animal. The issue was proving that those animals' lives were more valuable than his. And and like I said, I don't even care for the guy. I'm just telling you, it's upside down. I read this, and then we're going to look at these uh, videos. And this was dated March of 2021. A Wisconsin woman will spend a year in jail after being convicted of dragging her parents' puppy to death. Rebecca, uh, Rebecca Schroederus, 48, admitted to police that she may have pulled a little too hard as she walked her parents' five-month-old English bulldog back in 2019. So what would once have been embarrassment and public shame is now, it's been, what, 2019 to, to now is nearly two and a half years of court and legal fees and court costs and now she goes to jail for a year. And you say, well, I don't understand the, the problem. Well, what's the sentence for abortion? 40 million, 50 million people that, that we've aborted? Hundreds of thousands, tens of hundreds, of every year? And nobody? Nobody goes to jail, but you drag a three-month-old English bulldog to death, you better lock up. That's an inversion. That is an upside-down principle. So these videos that we're going to watch, this guy's name is Gary Yorforsky or Yorfosky, Yorofsky, something like that. I've got it here. I just can't read it. Uh, So I'm going to give you the same disclaimer. I saw a couple of videos with this guy. His language was hard. I think these four are okay. As I said before, this is coming out of the off the internet. We're all adults. I'm not endorsing anything he's saying. I want you to hear that this is out there. And so, I think these are clean, but if not, I apologize in advance.
1: Because if you discriminate against animals and eat meat, cheese, milk, eggs and honey, then you are no different than all the religious people that you condemn. And for
0: the record, I do not condemn God. I condemn violent rituals and bloodthirsty
1: habits and traditions in God's name. Because I've noticed something quite disturbing about all religious people all over this planet. They never, ever worship anything that God actually created. They the only worship things that we created in God's name. Bibles, crosses, churches, synagogues, Korans, stars of David, the Wailing Wall—I can assure you that God is completely unimpressed with our creations and with us, as long as we act like barbarians, living in peace. This is so false. We are all speciesist. We think that animal life isn't valuable and we falsely believe that human life is valuable, if I can further explain yes, how, how, how unvaluable mm-hmm. human life truly is, do you know that if you took humans off this planet, the extinction of humans would benefit everything that exists, the animals, the forest, the air, the water, the mountains? We are completely not special to this planet. If you removed ants, this is how special ants are, the whole ecosystem would collapse without ants. And I know you've been following the news with bees, If the bees disappear, everything falls apart. This is how special and valuable bees are to the world. Where do we get off saying that we are valuable when all we do is destroy and torment and think that we're superior? Sexism, sexism, anti-Semitism, heterosexism—these are branches of hatred. The root is speciesism, because that's the first form of hatred humans are taught. When you're a kid growing up, you're taught, "Hey, be nice to the dog, be nice to the cat, but that cow, that chicken yeah he doesn't count. Just kill them, screw them. Uh, be nice to the horse. Uh, be upset when somebody poaches a rhino. Uh, be upset if somebody cuts the fins off of a shark. Hey, but that uh, turkey—that eh, kill him. It's Thanksgiving. It's a holiday. When we get down to talking about discrimination and why it's where it comes from it all stems from that somebody looks and acts differently than you if you taught a child growing up that hey just cuz that chicken looks differently than you do that chicken has every right to live that spider has every right to live just like you do how is that child gonna grow up and look at a different person who's a different size shape and color how is that kid gonna look at that person in hatred speciesism by eradicating that we can bring peace to this planet After studying those statements and others, I now understand that speciesism is the root of all hatred, of all violence, of all discrimination that exists on this planet. And we will never destroy the branches of hatred like racism, sexism, and heterosexism unless we destroy violence and hatred and bloodthirstiness at its root. And that root is speciesism. The first form of hatred that human beings are taught is to eat the animal. Translation, mistreat the animal. Translation, hate the animal. Translation, view the animal as an inanimate object and a mere commodity. Before anyone is ever taught to hate or discriminate against a gay person, they are taught to hate and discriminate against animals. Before anyone is ever taught to hate or discriminate against a certain race or ethnicity, they are taught to hate and discriminate against animals. Before any man is ever taught to mistreat a woman.
0: Okay. So it's real, right? And uh, that particular individual, uh, Gary Urofsky, he's a 51-year-old American animal rights activist and lecturer. Do you notice it sounded like he was preaching? It's because that's his religion. That's, that's his God. Uh, he's had a major influence on contemporary veganism. He was sponsored by PETA. From O two to O five, he's given many public lectures, promoting veganism. In 2010, his popularity accelerated around the world, especially in Israel. He's, he's a Jewish, he's Jewish. Uh, he became very popular in Israel following the release of a YouTube video of him giving a speech at, the, at Georgia Tech. As the video gained millions of views... It has been translated into tens of different languages. Over his lifetime, he's been arrested 13 times uh, for animal stuff. In, 70, in 2001, he spent 77 days in a Canadian maximum security prison. Um, that was after farming, uh, raiding a farm and releasing 1,542 mink's. All of which probably died over the next couple of days because they were farm raised. But at any rate, uh, they were free to die. He is also permanently banned from entering Canada and Britain. Uh, He was born into a Jewish family in Detroit. Uh, He has a giant tattoo of himself wearing a mask and holding a rabbit on his arm. In 2013, he described himself as being a troublemaker in high school, and he recalled that he did not sign up for any math class during his four years in deliberate defiance of the requirements, and at the end of his senior year, he challenged the principal to hold him back, but she approved, and he graduated, and now he holds a BA in journalism from Oakland and a radio broadcasting degree from Spex Howard School of Media Arts. Um, there's thousands and hundreds of thousands of people just like him. And they believe what he's saying. And he believes what he's saying. And look, it has nothing to do with the whether or not you eat meat. I don't, I don't care. You eat what you want to eat. I, it makes no difference to me at all. It has to do with that whole idea of speciesism. And I hope you heard that. That's the term. That's the hook. We're just another species on this planet. And so it's speciesism and... And that is where all other hate stems from. Albert Moeller wrote a paper recently under the title of Are Humans Unique? The, science, the answer science, excuse me, the question secular science can't answer. And he was quoting uh, a lady, Christine Canelli, and uh, she says, so you think you're unique. Uh, we humans are not as special as we might like to think. Over the past decade, hard scientific fact has steadily chipped away at our supposedly unique qualities, revealing many of them to be more, just more sophisticated versions of the traits found elsewhere in the animal world. So in other words, she's saying that our culture is just a more sophisticated version of what's already in the animals, that we're no different than them. This other article was written by the British Columbia Humanist Association, and they state that humanists see evolution by natural selection as the best theory we have to explain the diversity of life on Earth. This theory tells us that given enough time, simple self replicating molecules adapted and reproduced, eventually giving rise to all of the plants and animals and people alive today. We therefore recognize that we are not superior to other animals and that we are a part of nature itself. We respect the rights of animals because it is a mere extension of the rights that we grant to other humans. Okay, so from that, you get a pretty basic thesis of where they are, what they believe. So before we look at any scripture, does that sound legitimate to you? Does that that sound like that is how God's plan was meant to be worked out? No. So let's look at some, again, some very simple scripture, and the idea is uh, to uh, maybe educate, uh, (laughs) hopefully encourage, and provide you with some uh, defense against all of this that goes on. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1. I'm pretty confident we all know these verses. But we're going to answer first the question of, is there a difference between nature, animals, and, and man? And so we can see that very clearly. In the book of Genesis chapter 1, if you look and I'm just going to kind of kind of skim through these in verse 3 and God said. Do you see that? Look at verse 6 and God said. Verse 7 and God made the firmament. And verse 9 and God said. In verse 11 and God said. In verse verse 14 and God said. Verse 16 and God made Verse 20, and God said, verse 21, and God created great wells and every living creature that moveth which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind and every winged fowl after his kind and God saw that it was good and God blessed them saying be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let the fowl multiply in the earth. Now, that word created there is the Hebrew word bara. It means out of nothing, it's just spoke into existence. Uh, verse 24, and God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth after his kind. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind. But look at verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our own image. After our likeness, and let them have dominion, very important, over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them, and God blessed them and said uh, unto them, be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, "Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree which is the fruit uh, of and every tree in which the fruit of the tree yielding seed to you, it shall be for meat." and to the beast of the earth to every fowl of the air and to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein is life I have given every green herb for meat and it was so so uh, i want you to see first that before he created man and woman everything he did he just spoke it into existence but when he created man he did so with his own hands it tells us a little clearly more clearly in chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So we have this picture here that, that he has made a, a man with his hands. He has done so in the image of God, and we'll describe what that means in a moment, and that he has filled him with the breath of God. None of that is stated about anything other than mankind. That's the only time that happens. So what does it mean in our image? Does that mean that we look like God? No, because God is a spirit. It means that we are like God in that he is a trinity and we are a trinity. We are body, soul, and spirit. Uh, is an animal a trinity? No, because they don't have a spirit. They're just a body and soul. We are made in the image of God in that we are body, soul, and spirit. I went and found this quote. I've always liked this from Adrian Rogers. He states that with your body, you know the world beneath you, and with the soul, you know the world around you But with your spirit, you know the world above you. That God made man with a spiritual capacity to know him, to love him, and to serve him. He did not do that for the animal kingdom. You've never seen an animal worship God. You've never seen an animal uh, desire God or serve God. They do what they're instinctively programmed to do. And so we, we see this idea that, that we are made with the hands of God, by the hands of God, filled with the breath of God. Even if you go down to verse 21 in chapter 2 and you get the actual creation of Eve, even there God was involved, touching and, and involved in creating the woman as a helpmeet. He did so with his hands he didn't just speak it into existence. god could have literally it just the way that he spoke light and and dark and water and firmament and sky and land and all of the herbs and all of the trees and all the animals he could have just spoke and there would have been millions of men and women all over the place but he didn't do that he created a man and a woman he breathed his eternal breath into their body so that they are and you and I are by birth eternal we're going to live somewhere forever That's right. and he did that but to them personally for them and so we comprehend to begin with the the greatest difference between animals and mankind is the way in which we were created and the fact that we were created with a spirit a a something in us that is searching for God. So that's a huge difference. Now look, I I want you to understand something here. If you go into an apologetic argument or debate with somebody and you want to use the Bible to back you up, they're not going to listen to you. Okay, and so I I, I wouldn't suggest that. I wouldn't have this argument with anybody because the very first thing we would have to establish is the inerrancy of the Word of God and they won't do that. They will not agree with that. I'm telling you what a Christian's worldview should be. So we see this idea that he spoke into existence all that was, but he made with his own hands the man and the woman. Look at chapter 3, verse 21. Now, we, we read it just a moment ago, and let me get this in there real quick. And I don't know if you noted it or not, but Uh, He tells them in verse 29 of chapter 1 that he's given them all of the herb bearing seed and every tree and the fruit. And he also says he's given the same to the animals. So in the Garden of Eden, everybody was a vegan. Okay? We didn't didn't eat them. and They didn't eat us. They didn't eat each other. Everybody was a, a vegan, so to speak. Uh, what do you call that? Uh, Herbivore. When, when we go into the millennial kingdom, it's going to return to that. It'd, it'd be perfect again. The, the, the idea of, uh, how did I read it earlier, bloody, bloody fang and bloody uh, claw, uh, that's, that's after the fall. That's part of the sin curse. And I'll show you in a moment when, when that really becomes home for mankind. So look at chapter three, verse 21, I ask you to turn there. This is after Adam and Eve had sinned. This is after uh, the trial had taken place, verses 15 through uh, 20, or 19, where he casts a sentence on the serpent, on Satan, on the woman and on the man. And then verse 21, and unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord make coats of skin and clothe them. Where do you suppose he got those coats of skin at? So there was a sacrifice there. It was a blood sacrifice. Does that, so, does that, does that show human equality with animal? Or does it so, show human dominion of an animal? It would show the latter, wouldn't it? Because that animal was used to support the needs of the man. In fact, if you read the book of Leviticus, there's literally millions of those types of sacrifices that, that, were, that were used in conjunction between God and the man to satisfy that, that, the need. And so we understand that, again, there is dominion to be had. We are above the animal ray of the kingdom. Uh, it seems silly to even be talking about this stuff, but I know it matters. Uh, look at chapter 4, verse 7. Uh, this is talking about, so when did the animals become meat eaters? And then, of course, we're going to talk about when man became meat eaters. And there's opinions here. Uh, we know for sure after the flood, man became Meat eaters. And we have that, and I'll show you that in just a moment. Uh, This is interesting. In chapter 4, verse 7, we have this interaction between God and Cain, and God is describing to Cain uh, his problem that's about to materialize. Uh, If you do well, shall you not be accepted? If you do not well, sin lieth at the door. The, The word there, lieth. Uh, your your Bible may say crouch or croucheth. It is, it's a verb, it's a Hebrew verb. I've got it here, rabats, I believe. It's how you would, that's how a Georgia boy would say it. Uh, Later in the book of Genesis, that is used in conjunction with describing the crouching of a lion as if he's about to pounce on something. When that lion was eating hay, he probably didn't pounce on it. But when he became a carnivore, the pouncing began. So the belief is is that after the fall, the animal kingdom immediately began feeling the pressures of that sin curse. Immediately there was animals eating animals, and so to to speak. Like you would recognize it being normal. But we would see that not until uh, chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Let's go there. And I know there's some of the same places we were last week, but you know, I thought about that today. Foundationally speaking, if you just want to know how to operate as a born-again believer in the world system that we live in, if you just get a good comprehension of the book of Genesis, you'd be on a good start because that's where it's all established. Um, Chapter 6, the flood is uh, taking place, and uh, I want to show this because I want you to see that God is not anti-animal. We're not to abuse them. There's a, there's a word we'd use, their stewardship. We're to be wise with them. In chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, he is talking to Noah, and he says, uh, Of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive, and they shall be male and female. Of the fowls, of the cattle, the creeping thing, everything. So, but what we understand right there is that, that uh, God was uh, protecting, saving that animal kingdom so it would be furthered after the flood. So that shows us a picture of stewardship. So it doesn't mean that we should never, uh, you know, shoot a deer or eat a cow or have an egg or whatever, but we ought to be stewards with them, take care of it and provide for the next generation, Right? And so there's stewardship involved. Uh, if we turn over to chapter 7, verses 7 through 9, it says, Noah went in, his sons and his wife, and his sons' wives with him into the ark of clean beasts and of beasts that are not clean, of the fowls and everything that creepeth upon the earth. They went in two by two, two and two unto Noah into the ark, male and female, as God had commanded Noah. So we see that God is a, he's taking care of nature. He's not anti-animal. If we, uh, we see that, that picture of stewardship there, if we look at Genesis chapter 8, they've come out of the ark. The ark has floated. It's been adrift. It's, it's, the water has abated. Uh, God has said to them, come out of the ark. And the first thing we see in verse 20, Noah built an altar unto the Lord. What did he do with that altar? He took of every clean beast and offered burnt offerings on the altar, and it made a sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord. We're to have dominion over them. They are lower than us. If you look down a little further in chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, and this is where we're going to stop tonight. God blessed Noah and his sons, and he said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air and upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon all the fishes of the sea. Into your hands are they delivered. Dominion. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for, for you even as the green herb have I given you all things. So prior to the flood, it was all green herb. After the flood, <laughs> it's if it moves, it's food. You can eat it, and and so uh, that's all the animals. That's that is that is how we are uh, instructed to steward the land that we're given, is to live off of it and to live off the animals in it. Uh, he he talks about uh, not eating the blood and that's still the same. And he talks about not shedding the blood of another man. So there's an interesting aspect there. Uh, You can eat that animal, kill that animal, eat that animal, just don't eat the blood. But if you shed the blood of another man, it's life for life. There's a distinction right there between animals and men. So we, we have the first few answers there and we'll do some more next week but there is a distinction between animals and men and that distinction is that we have a soul a spirit excuse me we are eternal uh in a in a humorous way i don't want to hurt anybody's feelings but uh there is no rainbow bridge I mean when that dog dies I don't care how good he was he's dead.
1: That's right.
0: And I had I had one of the best ones there ever has been. But I can assure you uh, he's dead. I won't ever see him again. No. Uh they they won't be in heaven. No. Your your pets are not on the other side waiting on you. I'm sorry, Miss Mickey. <laughs> this is the this is the thing about that and and like I said I'm trying to be good-humored about it because I get it. I I I had uh, Ike for 16 years. I mean, I was I loved that dog. I, I wept when I had to have him put to sleep. I really hated to lose him. But I, it was never a question. My, uh, the the problem is we, we play these games to to help our kids feel better, or to help our spouse feel better, or help ourselves feel better, but we're participating in that secular system that at its heart wants to do away with everything you truly believe. And we we end up catering to that system and that system does not cater to us. That system wants to destroy us and everything we believe. And as well as, uh, you know, when you talk about that system, you're talking about PETA and all these other organizations. They, They are... They are not just trying to protect animals. No. We have to take the, the veil off of our eyes and see they're trying to, do, to rewrite the way God intended things to be. So when we come back together, as I stated earlier, next Wednesday we'll be out because of uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, but we come back and I want us to look a little further about how this affects some of the, the deeper arguments uh, such as abortion and euthanasia, because it all plays into the same program. Uh, But just know that there is a difference between man and animals. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this uh, time in the study. Lord, I pray that you would use it to strengthen us. Help us, Father, as we seek to grow in our understanding and uh, become more Christ-like. Lord, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.